Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Zamprin. We hear from Hamilton mayoral candidate Bob Bratina in our final election town hall. The mayor of Ottawa goes on the offensive. Find out how you can help small businesses this week. Canadian Blood Services preparing for another slowdown in donations. And a Hamilton musical group is hoping to represent the city at an international championship. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Big day coming up on Monday. It is election day in Hamilton and across the province as more than 400 municipalities holding their municipal elections. We will be live at Hamilton City Hall on election night. It will all begin at 6 p.m. as CHML Scott Radley will be broadcasting live from City Hall and then at 8 when the polls close, Bill Kelly will be in the big on-air chair at City Hall talking about the big issues of the day, candidates who are winning and losing, the election campaign as a whole. Joining us now in our third and final Hamilton mayoral candidate town hall is candidate Bob Bratina. Bob, good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning, Rick. Great to hear from you. you. You've been knocking on doors. You've been talking to citizens, Hamiltonians. What have you been hearing from all these uh, potential voters? Well, I've been hearing opposite to what the other main candidates are actually saying, which is kind of interesting. Um, I, I feel the same as I did in 2010, that everyone I talk to seems to be on board with with what I'm putting forward. It's not reflecting in the polls right now. But uh, you remember the the great John Diefenbaker and what he said about polls. Polls? I treat them like dogs, too. <laughs> that was Diefenbaker's comment. So, you know, naturally going into the, the last week or so of the election, I wouldn't say it's a concern, but um, I think the real issue is, as had been said by Henry Jasek, is getting your people out to vote. So we've seen the advanced polls. We've seen the... Um, the mail-in, I'm not sure how many of those mail-ins actually got through properly because there was a problem around that, of course. But uh, we'll see on Election Day, and, and you'll know, Rick, from past that uh, when I first ran as for council, I was considered the third or fourth runner. When I ran for mayor, I was considered third. Uh, there was no way I was going to beat Wayne Marsden, a member of parliament in the federal election. And, and I won all those elections. I won five elections, so... So I'm content that my message is getting out the way I'm hearing back from people and that they they accept my message. So we'll have to wait until Election Day to see how it all comes out. So you mentioned the poll. You were you were placed in third in this recent poll. Uh, we, we have a poll on, on Twitter, and we do this daily on CHML. And, and today's question is, do you think political polls sway voters on Election Day? So you're, you're saying a big fat no to that. Well, I wouldn't say big fat no. Uh, you know, elections are complicated things, but yeah. <clears throat> I think what what the polling is telling me so far, if it is reflective, because some you know sometimes there are inaccuracies, but you can fool all of the people some of the time. <laughs> uh, you know, you can't fool all of the people all of the time, and, and that's a great adage. And I think if, uh, for instance. <clears throat> Uh, there's an article in The Spectator, and The Spectator's not been uh, very pleasant uh, to me. I believe they have an agenda, uh, and I certainly think it's pretty easy to spot when you see the kind of things that they permit on their editorial page. But they did uh, a wrap-up of uh, today in the, in the paper, the basic issues that each of the top three contenders are standing for. And I think 
based on the conversations I've had with Hamiltonians, I win that. But I would urge people, maybe not to read the letters of the editor or the opinions of the, of the Hamilton Spectator, but that article, I think, reasonably covers what we stand for as candidates. And I believe that my position is, is the real Hamilton position. I could be wrong, but uh, I still stand by it, and there's nothing I'm going to change in, in terms of uh, where we go from here except to keep knocking on doors, which I did last night, uh, worked the area around the stadium, got almost unanimous support at the doors that, I, that did respond to my knocks, and a number of signs. So we'll, we'll see. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Bob Bratina, our third and final mayoral candidate in our uh, town hall series. Of course, Election Day is this Monday. We'll be live at City Hall starting at 6. Our election special will begin at 8 p.m. And if you have a question for Bob, you can call in in, uh, well, less than 10 minutes' time, 750-905-645-3221, star 9900. What is the number one priority for you in this election campaign? And, and if you were to win on Monday, what is that true thing that is going to move this city forward? Fix the administration. It's completely ridiculous. And I, I get that so often at the door. The city is broken. It is. You know, Sewergate, the Red Hill Inquiry, $26 million and counting over who said what to who. And then the latest fiasco, the mail-in ballots, and and invading the privacy of people by sharing their emails. How does this happen in you know the 21st century in a large modern Canadian city? It's absolutely ridiculous. And so that's not even so much a council issue, although some of the issues will come before council, should I be fortunate enough to be the mayor. But I have to deal with the city manager and the administration, which she currently, Jeanette Smith, is in control of, uh, to determine uh, how do where do we go from here? How do we fix this? Because it is really humiliating to be in a city that uh, is behaving the way our administration has behaved over the long period of time. So that's that's the the main one. I think that the second one that that separates me from the others is is that they don't really like the police. They want to defund or detask or make up some sort of a uh, of um, an arrangement that will de-emphasize policing. And I'm on the completely opposite side of that page. Our police are under-resourced. We're at least 50 to 60 officers short of Canadian medians for large cities, officers per 100,000. Uh, we've got to fix that. And everybody knows it. And you don't have to knock on many doors, especially uh, you know along the Barton Street corridor to find out how upset people are with what's been going on and what's been allowed to happen in the city. And we have two candidates who are just fine with that. Encampments, uh, you know, injection sites, you name it. And of course, let's not have any police patrolling our streets. So there, there's the, the two biggest issues, I would say, uh, that I'm putting forward. We've got about a minute left in this segment. And, of course, Bob is going to stick around and, and take some of your calls at 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell at 750 this morning. Do you still get the, Bob, what are you going to do with the LRT when you knock on a door? Well, it's uh, LRT is, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and as a matter of fact, they don't say, what are you going to do about it? They say, is there any way you can still stop it? And my position is that it is a council matter. There are 16 votes on council. I have one. Uh, if it continues uh, to progress, 
uh, to an RFP and, and a beginning con construction, my position is that unlike the past several years, Hamiltonians will have as much information as uh, I can share with regard to the cost because there will be a significant residential tax increase and all of the other things, the in interruptions for business and so on, people will know that information and not have it hidden behind uh, crafty little slides or you know comments by people about whatever happened in Waterloo. We need to know what's happening in Hamilton. I'll tell the truth. That's the difference. Mr. Bertina is going to stick around. He's, of course, uh, one of the uh, several mayoral candidates in the city of Hamilton. Ejaz Butt, Jim Davis, Paul Fromm, Andrea Horvath, Solomon Equiu, Hermes Ishea, uh, Kenan Lumis, and Michael Pattison also striving to get your vote on Monday. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We are in discussion with Hamilton mayoral candidate Bob Rotina in our final mayoral candidate town hall. Now is the time for you to call in with a question. You can do so by grabbing your cell phone and dialing star 9900. You can also text your question 905-645-3221 and you can call that number as well to ask Bob a question. Of course, Monday is the election day here in Hamilton. We will be live at City Hall, broadcasting from City Hall starting at 6. Our election show begins at 8 when the polls close, hosted by CHML's Bill Kelly. Bobby recently created a bit of a stir in the community with some voters when they received a text from your campaign saying, hey, vote for me on Election Day. What was the idea behind that, and do you think it's going to pay dividends on Monday? Well, you never know, do you? It's a completely new, uh, different approach. That's something I necessarily supported when, you know, our team was meeting because it, it's I find that robocalls and, and things like that tend to be intrusive to people. But I can't, uh, you know, operate as elections past have done. We're in a new world and we we need to reach people. And one of the problems that I had, I had COVID when the first and probably uh, the, the most watched debate took place. And Cable 14 wouldn't allow me to do, they, they couldn't create a Zoom opportunity for me to join the meeting. And when I uh, was given the opportunity to have a two-minute uh, intervention, everyone had an opening uh, two minutes. Mine timed out at 2.38, and the producer said, you've got to cut that back to two minutes. That's, that's the, the rule. I said, well, wait a minute. The other people are going to be going on for over an hour. No, that's the rule. Cut it back. So I had to cut 38 seconds off of my two minutes. So I think uh, in view of that, uh, not a very good start to the campaign. Um, we, we decided to take a look at that issue. But then people would come up to me and say, how did you get my number? Well, it's, it's just a randomizer. It, it's something that it's like a mail out, really. You know, how did you get my house address? Well, we just went, you know, down the street to each house, and that's what we did. Uh, and it's completely uh, permitted. So we did that. And once again, although there were some negative responses to it, uh, I got a ter terrific amount of signage. I got uh, donations. I got, oh, but, you know, like good to see you're in on it. So two way street. Um, I'm not sure the next election I uh, would do the same thing again, but you do what you have to do. And that's what we felt we needed to do at that time to uh, reinstate myself into the debate, uh, having uh, been denied the opportunity.
we got a few more minutes with Hamilton mayoral candidate Bob Rutina, and you can call in with a question, star 9900 on your cell phone. You can text 905-645-3221 or call that same number and ask Bob a question. we got a, a caller coming in. Um, Sam is on the line. Sam, you want to talk about urban expansion? Go ahead. Hi there. Uh, Bob, quick question on urban expansion. Uh, I know that council uh, voted against it, which I'm fully in agreement with. But, of course, the province may overturn that, which I am not in agreement with. But I noticed the other day you were talking about developing uh, the lands along Upper Centennial on the east side, I believe. Now, I'm fully in agreement with that, but is that not outside of the urban expansion? From what I understand, well, it is. Well, it, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, we need to take a clean sheet of paper. And the real concern about the urban boundary, to me, is valuable farmland. And we will get direction, of course, from the farmers themselves as to what is necessary to continue to have this outstanding agricultural sector, which has has been growing in Hamilton over the past uh, several years, and certainly since I was mayor. And so, uh, but if there are lands that are available for development that don't happen to be in that arbitrary a circle, then, then we got to look at it because we're in a crisis. We need affordable housing and we need a mix of housing. Hamilton can't just be a high rise condo city, uh, you know, for people who can't afford to live in Toronto condos and move here and then they become a, you know, further bedroom community. Can't do that. We need a variety of opportunities for people to, to live and thrive in Hamilton. And so if there's land available that is not valuable farmland that doesn't happen to be in this arbitrary zone, then I'm in favor of exploiting it. Sam, appreciate the question. Thanks for uh, calling in. Um, so would you re- reverse council's decision? Or I mean, you got one vote in this. Would you reverse it in terms of expanding the urban boundary, Bob? Well, once again, one of 16 votes, uh, not the strong mayor. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Premier Ford is going to do what he wants to do. All I'm telling council to do is use common sense, be realistic, if there are lands that are not valuable farmlands that, that don't happen to be in the urban boundary, let's use them. Uh, so I, I just start with a clean sheet of paper, as I said, Rick. Let's let's um, see what we have and where we need to be, as opposed to no, no, we made this this boundary and we're going to stick to it. It may not make sense. I uh, let's do what's sensible. Uh, let's do what's realistic. Bob, really appreciate your time. Best of luck on Monday. Thanks so much, Rick. That's Bob Bertina, mayoral candidate here in the city of Hamilton, former mayor of Hamilton and a city councillor as well. Pining for your vote on Monday, October the 24th, CHML will be broadcasting live at City Hall starting at 6 p.m. with the Scott Radley Show. Bill Kelly will be hosting CHML's election special when the polls close at 8. You'll have instant results, reaction and analysis of those uh, results coming in from the councillor perspective and the red-hot mayor's race. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We needed the large number of 1,800 to get this situation under control and kick these yahoos out of our city who are disrupting the quality of life of the people of Ottawa. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, fast forward, 
we got what we wanted, and we appreciate the federal government, the provincial government's support. We wanted it sooner because this thing should not have lasted three weeks. Stinging words from Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson, who told the Emergencies Act inquiry that the Ontario government didn't really want to get involved, even though that Premier Doug Ford has said he supported the use of the act. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Well, who's telling the truth, or is some of that truth kind of stuck in the middle? Colin DeMello is our Queen's Park Bureau Chief at Global News and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Colin, welcome back to the show. We heard from uh, Mayor Watson there off the top, uh, basically accusing Premier Ford of shirking his duty to help disperse the occupation in the capital. Not a good look, I would say, for the Premier. No, definitely not. I mean, some of the stuff that we heard yesterday definitely was in the bombshell category. You know, on one hand, uh, the uh, Ottawa mayor is obviously, you know, with his back against the wall. He's not running for re-election, so he has nothing to lose. And really, he's maybe trying to defend uh, a bit of a legacy here because the city of Ottawa and Ottawa police really took a beating in in the, the headlines. But we're getting a behind-the-scenes look of what was happening here. And you have to understand the chain of command. The city of Ottawa has to go to the provincial government to request additional resources. That's true of any kind of emergency. You know, even if there was a tornado that, that touched down in Ottawa, they would still need to go to the province, and then the province would have to go to the federal government for any assistance. So they kept coming to the province, and it seemed like the province was rejecting them at every turn. In fact, yesterday, the mayor of Ottawa had testified that at one point he had a phone call with Doug Ford and he asked the premier to participate in a trilateral um, talk, a discussion with the federal government, city of Ottawa and the province of Ontario. And the mayor of Ottawa said that Doug Ford had said back to him, what would be the point of that? Just a bunch of politicians in a room talking and coming up with solutions and decisions. The premier questioned why that was necessary and the mayor of ottawa responded to the premier well that really sounds like a cabinet meeting a bunch of politicians getting together to make a decision and apparently the premier did not really like that um there was another bombshell moment as well um, sylvia jones who was the solicitor general at the time had claimed publicly and both privately that 1500 opp officers were on the ground in ottawa assisting and ottawa mayor jim watson says quote that was not true. He called it disingenuous. He said at most there were 55 OPP officers, not 1,500. And he said, you know, the Solicitor General kept repeating that, and it simply was not the case. So we're hearing a lot of testimony from officials and from uh, elected officials in Ottawa at this inquiry, and none of it looks good for the premier or the provincial government in terms of how they were responding to what was going on. Ford just the other day said he, he, he stood shoulder to shoulder with the prime minister's decision to enact the Emergencies Act, although transcripts that Watson referred to yesterday, and it was uh, revealed during the inquiry yesterday, made uh, public that basically Trudeau was saying that Ford has been hiding from his responsibility uh, for political reasons. What do you read into that? Right. There was a lot of pressure, it seemed like, from both the prime minister's office and the mayor's office, a lot of pressure on the provincial government to do something. In fact, on February 6th, the city of Ottawa decided to declare a state of emergency. And, and that was a tactical move we, we learned this week. The reason they did that was to put additional pressure on the provincial government to enact a state of emergency on its own as well. Uh, and that state of emergency was enacted a few days uh, later. I, I mean, we learned uh, during that time that the premier had actually gone to the cottage 
He was snowmobiling one weekend during a very critical, crucial weekend. And throughout that entire time, officials were pleading with the government uh, to try to, uh, you know, have some involvement in all of this. Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson was asked, why do you think the Ford government wasn't participating as much? And he said that his sense was that, you know, the premier didn't want to wear or didn't want to take responsibility for all that was going on in Ottawa. And we've heard consistently from the premier that, you know, he respects the right to uh, protest. It's a fundamental constitutionally protected right in this country, uh, the freedom of assembly and the freedom of protest. And that may have been a reason as to why he didn't want to necessarily intervene in a protest and didn't want to be seen as directing police. That could be one of the reasons why. But we'll never know unless the premier actually testifies under oath at this inquiry. Uh, really quick, because we got to go. Do you think he, he now wants to? He wasn't invited to testify, but do you think he wants to get uh, on the hot seat? Well, I'll put it to you this way. We keep asking the premier's office for comment on this why they didn't do this or why they didn't do that. And we don't receive a comment back from the premier's office. In, in fact, they keep punting it over to the solicitor general's office. And, and the premier has said that the government has provided hundreds of documents and officials are available to testify, but the premier has not made himself available. And he says he just wasn't asked. That is quite telling. Colin DeMello, Queen's Park Bureau Chief for Global News. Thanks for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. It is Small Business Week in Hamilton and across the province this week and across the country this week. And with the pandemic and the potential of a recession on the horizon, how are local businesses doing and how can Hamiltonians step up to the plate and help them out? Here to talk about it is Greg Dunnett. He's the president of the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce and joins us now on GMH. Greg, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for having me again, Rick. I hope you're doing very, very well this morning. So bright and early, but uh, glad to be here. I'm so far so good. It's glad to have you on the show once again. Is there a specific focus of this year's Small Business Week? Not specifically. Um, it's the 43, 43rd year of the B- Small Business Week, and it was built at that time as a celebration of entrepreneurship by the Business Developed Bank of Canada. And very much, it's doing exactly what you and I are doing here. The purpose of it is what we're doing here. We're increasing awareness and highlighting the important contributions that small businesses make to our community. Uh, we're spotlighting the challenges they have, and and that's not just in the moment, but looking ahead and uh, and, and and encouraging Ontarians, Hamiltonians, Canadians to shop local. Um, you know, and that's really important. Uh, some big stats about the importance and impact of small businesses on our community, Rick, uh, there are 1.2 million small and medium-sized enterprises in Canada. 98% of those businesses have less than 100 employees, and they're generating 54% of our GDP in here in Canada, so that they're incredibly important to both our, our local but also our national uh, economy and our communities. I think a lot of people kind of lose sight of how important small business and small business people are to this country. Exactly. And I mean, you know, if you you think about who you work with and who your friends are, most of those people, I think I think if I'm if I'm getting my stats right, I might be off by a percentage point or two. 88% of private sector people work for a smaller medium enterprise. So you're talking about your friends, your family, your peers. So it it's the impact to our community is incredible. How are Hamilton small businesses doing? What, what, what would you rate it? I don't know, out of out of ten. 
Oh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, as the new guy at the chamber, and I'm only a few weeks in, I don't know if I have that exact number, but I do know, um, I do know that all, all businesses and all people are, you know, are still just trying to survive uh, the pandemic and they're starting to thrive. And then coming out of that now, we've got the, uh, the ripple effects of some of the impacts of the, of the pandemic. So we're now facing inflation. We're facing supply chain disruptions. You've got labor shortages everywhere. And so I think every, every business is, it is struggling or, you know, maybe not in a position that they'd like to be in. And so, you know, that is why it is so important for um, all members of our community to shop local. And there's many, many benefits to both the business and the overall community. Uh, it strengthens our local economy. It creates new jobs. It ensures our taxes are reinvested in our community. You get more personalized customer service. Um, local business owners give back to their community. I can tell you um, my son's a rep hockey player, and we've had so many of those businesses start to give funds again. It's been incredible, the response. And, and they, they want to be a, an active member of their community and they're starting to be able to do so again. And then it's also more environmentally friendly, which we know is uh, an incredibly important short-term and long-term uh, thing that we need to prioritize. So there's a lot of really, really good reasons to shop local, and that will positively impact and, and move that marker from wherever it is on the uh, scale of 1 to 10 up higher into a space where those businesses are not only surviving but thriving. Got a couple more minutes with Greg Dennett, the president of the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce, as we talk about Small Business Week, which is currently underway. The the R word, recession, we know and, and we've heard that it is looming, it's on the horizon. Uh, how are local businesses uh, preparing for that, what seems to be an inevitability? Yeah, I think, you know, I think everybody's just, there's you, you we all get a little uh what's the right word uh a little more risk averse i think when you're when you're looking forward and maybe not seeing uh, as many opportunities so i know something that we're doing at the chamber rick is you know we 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 spend so much of our day trying to support our our business community but specific and again a, a large part of that is small businesses so um, we're working hard to make sure that our public policy removes a lot of the red tape and barriers that um are negatively impacting the the local market, the labor market, and our economy. I was at with several members of our team up in uh, Ottawa this week for the Canadian Chamber of Commerce AGM, and that's where all of the chambers from across our country come together to the, and, and we talked about the pandemic and the looming recession and how can we positively impact our businesses. And I know for us in Hamilton right now we are looking at small business week and we're championing it that, but we've also got on November 5th, we've got uh, Hamilton day and that is our, our second uh, one day citywide shopping event where we ask everyone to support local and small businesses. And it's just celebrating our city and, and, and all the great impacts that those small businesses have on our community. And that really just, Enjoy the vibrancy of our neighborhoods. Get out, enjoy the walkability of your neighborhood. And uh, there's going to be a ton of great activations, markets. And it's even going to get a lift in at your local gym, going to get a haircut. Like, there's so many ways that you can contribute to it. And it's going to support them. And it's going to help them, you know, have a really good kickoff to the holiday season. And for anybody that wants to learn more, they can go to hamiltonday.ca.
And we encourage all our listeners to uh, shop local, especially on Hamilton Day on November the 5th uh, during Small Business Week and all year round. That is for sure. Greg, really appreciate the time today. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Rick, and have a great rest of your morning. You too. That's Greg Dunnett, President Hamilton Chamber of Commerce. Small Business Week underway. And yes, Hamilton Day coming at us on November the 5th. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Uh, we've heard, especially over the summer months, that Canadian Blood Services really needed uh, a lot of donors to come forward because there was a shortage of uh, many blood types. And now as we enter into the fall and coming up soon, the winter... Uh, what is the situation like? Do they need more people to donate blood? Well, joining us now is the Community Development Manager with Canadian Blood Services, Gina Leva. Gina, good morning. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me today. Uh, maybe we'll rewind the tape and go back to the summer. I know there was a call, and, and this usually happens each and every summer because, you know, people are going on vacations. They're not necessarily thinking about donating blood, but there is a need during the summer. How did the summer go? Well, so we did put out a call to pretty much, you know, everybody, all Canadians, to step up and help us as we saw a huge dip in donations for reasons that you mentioned and other reasons, um, COVID-related and otherwise, that people just weren't putting blood donation top of mind. But when we put that call out, we were so surprised to see everybody really come in and support Canadian Blood Services. And so many people did come and donate blood so we got to a place where we were thinking that, you know, uh, things were looking much better for sure. Now, we know that the holiday season is, well, in some respects, it's underway. as Some stores have already started their holiday shopping season, but we know the holidays are, are closing in. Does Is there a spike in, in blood donation need at that time? Yes, exactly. So for the same reasons why we have this, supply-demand battle in the summer, that happens again during the holidays. And it's for two reasons. The supply, obviously, it's shortened because everybody's out and about. They're visiting families over the holidays. And, you know, we'll see how COVID sort of plays into that this year. The summer wasn't such, uh, didn't have such an impact. But usually over the holidays, sometimes, you know, schools have closed down in the past because the propensity of people to get COVID, that increases so that also plays a part um, in, in the need for blood and the donations that, that we get. Um, and the other aspect is more people on the road, more car accidents, and more reasons why people would need blood. So if we reverted back to the early days of the pandemic where there were less vehicles on the road, was there also a less demand for blood donors? No, I can't speak, you know, from a hospital perspective, but definitely anecdotally I would say yes. And also, there was a period where hospitals had canceled elective surgeries, so that definitely played a part on the need for blood and the demand from local hospitals. So when elective surgeries were happening again, and then you have emergency um, causes for a need for a blood donation, and the fact that there was just so much, you know, 31,000 um, of our donor base was lost during covid all of that created this sort of perfect storm, and, and that's really why we had to make that plea. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Gina Leva, Community Development Manager, Canadian Blood Services. We're talking about blood donations in this community and across the country. And you mentioned the pandemic. There's certainly a strain on hospitals and ERs. You know, the wait list for surgeries is there. How would you describe the current situation right now when it comes to donating blood? 
Right now, we are still needing a lot of support from from blood donors across Canada. I know in Hamilton, especially, um, there's there's over 200 appointments available between now and the end of October at our Hamilton location. So, you know, we do still need a lot of support. And I think folks, you know, when they saw a lot of media coverage, lots of things going on, they they, so they kind of think, okay, someone else is going to help. Okay, people are helping. I'm good. But the truth is that if you can donate, if you have donated before, or even if you've never donated and, and you think you can donate, we definitely still need support. Is there a specific type of blood that uh, you're in short supply of? So all types are needed. O negative is definitely the most in demand because it's the universal blood type, but absolutely all types are needed. So it, it doesn't really matter what your type is. we got about a minute. What is the process like of donating blood? There's probably people out there thinking, you know, I should do this. I'm not really sure about how it all works. It's really easy to book an appointment. You visit blood.ca, you type in your location, you book it online. Everything's really user-friendly. And you're in and out of the clinic in less than an hour. If you're feeling weary or nervous, uh, you can let them know when you arrive. Our staff are really wonderful and really good at taking care of donors. So I would say if, you, if you've thought about donating blood and you just need to take that first step Really visit blood.ca. We have lots of um, information on our website. If you have any questions, and book an appointment. Save someone's life. Uh, Sounds like a plan. Gina, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. That's Gina Leva, Community Development Manager with Canadian Blood Services. Go to blood.ca for a whole host of information and to make an appointment today. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. That is the musical stylings of Harbour Town Sound. And they're going to be competing. By the way, they're from Hamilton. Yes, thank you. They're going to be competing in the Barbershop Harmony Society's Ontario District Competition this coming Saturday in St. Catharines. And joining us to talk about it is the Chorus Director at Harbortown Sound, Jordan Travis. Jordan, good morning. How are you? I'm great, Rick. How are you? Not too bad. Were you getting goosebumps listening to yourself singing? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's always fun listening to yourself, you know, and, and some of the past performances that we've done, uh, it's uh, it's always wonderful. Talk about Harbortown Sound. How long have you been together? How did you get into this? Absolutely. So uh, I got involved in, in barbershop singing uh, through my dad. Um, and uh, I was about nine or ten years old, and he was a wonderful bass singer, and uh, I was a wannabe. And uh, eventually, uh, when I was uh, in my teens, I got involved and just have really enjoyed the fraternity and the camaraderie, but also the, the wonderful music and singing. And, and it's truly changed my life and, and other people's lives. And with the Harbortown Sound, we started... Uh, in fact, next year will be our 20th anniversary as a as an organization. So, it's uh, it's been a wonderful journey. I've heard the term barbershop quartet. How do you get a barbershop yeah. choir going? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, uh, quartets are probably what started first, and you know we've we've all seen those. Uh, uh, performances on things like The Simpsons or Cheers, or, or maybe you've seen a quartet, you know, at a festival or something like that around the city. Um, but uh, basically, people started to say, hey, we'd, we'd love to do this together, more people. So it's still four parts. 
Um, but it can be as as little as you know five or six people or eight people or or as big as a chorus like ours, which is you know about sixty seventy men. Wow how do you how how do you get all those people on the same page and getting them sounding as best as they can? Oh my goodness! <laughs> That's why we rehearse every week. So, uh, you know, we 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 rehearse every week. We have, uh, you know, just like any choir or chorus, we have our music. Um, something that might be different for for our group, we have uh, learning tracks that help our 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 singers learn their music. Um, but a lot of it is just rehearsing together, um, and uh, we have section leaders and people who are who are basically helping do exactly what you're talking about now. Is is how do we sing together more? How do we get everything sounding like one voice? Well, what we heard off the top of this segment was absolutely outstanding. Jordan Travis is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Jordan is the chorus director of Harbortown Sound. They're going to be competing in the Barbershop Harmony Society's Ontario District Competition in St. Catharines this coming Saturday. What is that competition like? How many other teams are involved and in, in how are you going to win this thing? Oh, that's a great question. So there are uh, there's about twelve or so other choruses that are going to be uh, singing in this competition, and uh, they come from all across Ontario. And more than anything, this is uh, a prelim to allow us to get to international. So we've been really fortunate as a chorus in the past to represent Ontario at the international level, uh, which happens somewhere across North America. Uh, and uh, uh, basically it's been at least three years since we've been able to have any kind of contest, whether it be just in Ontario or whether it be international. So the the opportunity here uh, for us just to see our friends and other groups uh, to be together uh, is wonderful, but also to compete and take the stage. Uh, so, so we're just really, really excited more than anything. And our hope is, is that, uh, you know, the efforts and work that we've put in uh, leading up to this point, allow us that opportunity and afford us that opportunity to go to international, uh, which will be uh, in the summer in Louisville. Yeah, it's July of 2023. Uh, How many other teams are at that competition? Because this is an international competition. Absolutely. The international competition has somewhere around you know 40 uh give or take uh choruses from around the world so there's there's choruses that sing our style from new zealand from australia across north america uh england uh germany i mean you you name it there there are uh opportunities for for people to come together and and compete the the really interesting thing that's that's different is i i find at least in in this style of music and this hobby is that that even though you're competing against each other there's just a, a general uh, love a general uh, camaraderie between groups and uh, so it's it's uh, it's not like that kind of bloodbath feel it's totally you know just to support each other and encourage each other but but in the end you know you want to do your best as well I don't want to put the cart before the horse but should you win this Saturday and book a trip to the internationals in Louisville in 2023 I know that you guys have been to the international competition a few times before what's the highest level what's that highest number you've ever been to on the international stage Oh, it's been so long, Rick. <laughs> you know, it's funny these last three years. Um, but we we have done fairly well. Um, we're looking to uh, continue to improve. Um, but 
but we've kind of sat uh, in the teens, so maybe about you know fifteenth uh, or seventeenth somewhere in there. So we're hoping to continue to uh, improve. And uh, it, what's cool is is that that's in the whole world, you know, uh, in 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 our style of music. So you know, we we're very proud of that. But we're always looking to how do we improve? How do we move forward? Well, it sounds fantastic, and I'm sure you guys are going to knock everyone's socks off this Saturday in St. Catharines and hopefully Thank at the you. international competition as well. Jordan, best of luck. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks so much, Rick. Take care. Have you a too. great day. That is Jordan Travis Chorus, director of Harbor Town Sound. They're going to be competing in St. Catharines this Saturday at the Barbershop Harmony Society's Ontario District Competition. The winner books a ticket to Louisville, Kentucky, July 2023 for the international competition. And by the way, the chorus, again from Hamilton, is going to be performing two songs this Saturday, Off to See My Sweetness, and the song is ended. So good luck to Harbortown Sound representing Hamilton this weekend. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 5.30 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode, and make sure you rate and review.